Well, it's good to be with you all today and really appreciate the fact that uh, we've got health and we've got the freedom, the privilege, the opportunity to be able to assemble together. And I'm glad that we're all able to be here today. Lord willing, tomorrow night, I'm going to talk about, do others know you're a disciple? Tuesday night, we'll talk about a serving servant. Wednesday evening, the same care for one another. Thursday night, how do we forgive? And then Friday night, the beauty of the church. So Lord willing, we'll talk about that. Uh, unless I change my mind, and I reserve the right to change my mind. But Lord willing, we'll talk about those things uh, in the next few days. Well, I don't know about you, but um, the first lesson, I believe, is the truth. I believe it needs to be preached. What well, was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? Well, it discouraged me just to preach it. I can imagine listening to it. But you know, there's another side to it. And this morning... I want to talk to you about pleasing God. When we think about the idea of pleasing God, Ephesians 5 and verse 10, Paul said, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. My wife and I have been married a long time. When we first got married, I was 18 years old. I thought I knew everything there was to know about being a husband, having a wife, and really what I actually knew was zero. The next couple of years, my wife and I had a tough time. Now, we were both raised in Christian homes, we made a vow. We made a vow that regardless of what happened, we were going to make it work. If we hadn't made those vows to God, and if we didn't care about what God said, we might have divorced. But we worked it out. We both got educated. We learned how to please God first. And we learned how to please each other. Marriage is like that. Marriage is about learning how to work together as a couple to please God. Once you get kids, you learn as a family, what can we do to please God? Now there's challenges. There are lots of challenges. And the devil would make us think that it's impossible to please God. That you just can't live like that. I've had people tell me, mostly, I can't be a Christian. It's too hard. Well, I, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says being a Christian is easy. 
neither does the Bible say being a Christian is impossible. So let's talk a little bit about the idea of pleasing God. We can please the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul made this great statement that I, I hope will be encouraging to each of us. When he says, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. Bullet points for that verse. One, it's a choice. Pleasing God is a choice. Way back there, I was trying to please myself. Therefore, I wasn't trying to please my wife. And that caused the problem. When I learned it's a choice about who you choose to please, things change. The same with being a Christian. You may really want to be a Christian. You may want your sins washed away. But it's a choice as to whether or not you please God. You've got to follow the instructions. I bought several things through the years. Try to put together something. Men typically, I got this, don't need the instructions. It doesn't turn out just like it should. Go back and look at the instructions. Oh, I left that out. I should have done that. I should have done this. You know, when you follow the instructions, usually works out pretty good. The same thing with about being a Christian. If you follow the instructions, you can please God. You got to pay attention how you ought to walk. Um, I'm sure all of us have taken uh, walks or hikes and trails and uh, so forth. And and if you're walking, you have to pay attention how you walk. My wife and I just. Uh, did a, uh, a hike not too awful long ago, and it was a pretty strenuous hike. Lots of rocks, a lot of ups and downs, and roots, and so forth. And for us old people, when we're taking a hike, you know, we in our younger years might have tripped on that route and, you know, gained our balance and everything been just fine, you know, but now we're not as sure footed. So we have to be a little more careful to watch the roots, to watch the rocks, so that you don't fall. Well, being a Christian, you got to be careful how you walk. you got to pay attention to it. The text also says, this pleases the Lord. When you really pay attention to how you're walking, this can please the Lord. And then finally, you notice in the verse that you may excel still more. We can all do better. Just stop for a moment. If you don't get anything else out of this lesson, this is what I'd like you to get. You know you can do better. You know you can. And it's a matter of choice. Whether you're talking about your prayer life, 
talking about reading the scriptures. You're talking about studying the scriptures. You're talking about uh, inviting people uh, to worship the Lord. Or you're talking about sitting down and studying the word of God with someone. You could do better. We all could do better. So at some point, you have to make up your mind, I'm going to do the best I can. You have to make that choice. We have to determine who we please. Uh, not long ago, um, Brother Sewell Hall came to Athens Bible School, and um, he did the morning chapel. And I, I thought it was great the, the way he introduced the idea by simply asking the question, what is the most important decision you ever make in your life? When I've asked that question a number of times, usually specifically said, is when you decide to be baptized into Christ to become a Christian. That is the most important decision of your life. And I think that's still true. But he added this idea. The most important decision you ever make in your life is deciding who you're going to obey. Are you going to obey God? Are you going to obey men? You know, we live in a society where the choice is do you obey the world, pop culture, what everybody else is doing, or are you going to do what God says? That is a tough choice. And I say it that way because I think that it is tough for some people to choose. Paul said in Galatians 1 and verse 10, he says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Now stop and think about that. Temptation always has some allure. The choice that we make about whether or not to favor men or seek their favor or God is really where the rubber meets the road. Pleasing yourself, doing what you want to do, that's a choice. Or do you want to be a servant of God? I'm sure we make choices all the time about whether or not we're going to do what God wants us to do or we're going to do what we want to do. And that happens on a daily basis. In John chapter 12 is a, is a great example of, of that kind of choice. And in John chapter 12 beginning to verse 42, you notice there, nevertheless many, even of the rulers, believed in him but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. There it is. Number one, most important choice you ever make in your life. Who do you want the approval of? Man or God? We find in Scripture that the overwhelming theme is you need to obey God rather than men. That's what the Bible is stressing. Well, Enoch pleased God. And that's a pretty simple statement that is made about Enoch back in the Genesis account. And I, I think it's, to me, profound of the simplicity 
of the life statement that the Holy Spirit chooses to make about Enoch. In verse 21, And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years. Now, that in and of itself, the fact that he lived 300 years plus the 65, that, that's quite extraordinary to us to think about that. But then it says, he walked 300, uh, and so all the days of Enoch was 365 years, verse 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I've always been intrigued by the statement there that he walked with God. And so what I'm thinking, and this is kind of my interpretation of this, is the idea that Enoch was so good and did just really pleasing God that God took him. That's really all we know about it. Now, what does walking with God have to do with this? We're going to find that this is a very familiar kind of statement that is made in the Scriptures. And let's notice Deuteronomy chapter 10 just briefly here, this idea of walking with God. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and His statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Remember Joshua chapter 22, uh, verse 5, similar kind of statement made about the, the idea of walking with God. Joshua 22, verse 5, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and hold fast to Him and serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul. In Micah, Chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to Him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And lastly, I'd just like to emphasize in 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, John says it this way. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Well, I think you get a pretty good idea from those selections of Scripture that walking with God has to do with a choice. You either walk with the world or you walk with God. Well, what does walking with God mean? Well, you're obeying His commandments. You, you, you love God with all your heart. 
My wife and I have been walking together as husband and wife since 1975. That's a long time. We're walking together. Remember the prophet that said, can two men walk together unless they be agreed? Well, we have an agreement. We're walking together. That relationship we have is because of God. And our relationship pleases God because we walk according to His way. Now that's a choice we make. We don't go to bars. We don't go dancing. We don't go partying. We don't do drugs. Because we made a choice to walk with God. Now that pleases God when we walk with Him. Remember Job pleased God in the book of Job? He was blameless, the text says. What does blameless mean? He was blameless. Well, notice this definition. Complete, guiltless, perfect. Wow. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2, elders are to be above reproach. Some translations have blameless. Some suggest that that word simply means the idea of nothing to strike against. So if you stood a man up here before the church, does anyone know of anything that this man has done that is wrong, that he stands condemned, uh, anything at all? And there's nothing to strike against. He's blameless. Well, that's the kind of fellow Job was. He was a blameless man. In James chapter 5 and verse 11, I want you to notice something that is said there. James 5 and verse 11, Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Do you know what walking with the Lord means? You're not always going to have it easy. If you're familiar with the book of Job, yes, he was a great man. But did he have his difficulties? In fact, what really stands out about Job was the fact that he was able to endure the difficulties and still remain faithful. I think that's a challenge for us. First challenge, who are we going to decide to obey? Who are we going to listen to? The world or God? So you make that choice. So you make the choice to serve God. Now is it going to get hard? Is it going to get difficult? Yeah. Is it going to be problems? Will you be passed over as far as that promotion because you're a Christian? Could be. Maybe you're not as wealthy as you could be because you're honest. The world constantly is bombarding us and will persecute us, speak evil of us, cause us difficulties because we're trying to please God. 
Noah pleased God. We talked about the world that Noah lived in. But he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And the reality of God finding favor with Noah, why was that? Well, when we read the Genesis account, we find over and over again that Noah was a righteous man. He's a blameless man. He walked with God. He did exactly what God told him to do. Noah is a great illustration whenever you're studying with someone about the importance of obeying God's will, exactly doing what God said do. I've used the Noah example many, many times. Do, do you recall the kind of wood that God said to build the ark out of? You, re, you recall the wood? It's gopher wood, right? Well, what if Noah had decided to build the ark out of oak? Now, I have no idea what gopher wood is, per se. But no one knew what it was. And so I don't know if that gopher wood was uh, where Noah was living. Uh, if, if he was just surrounded by a forest of gopher wood. I have no idea. Gopher wood may have been a hundred miles away. I have no idea. But you can kind of understand how men will do. Well, I know God said to build the ark out of gopher wood. But you know what? There's a whole forest right here of pine. And I, this is closer, it'd be easier, I'll just build it out of pine. Now there's just lots of different applications you can make from that. But you know what really made Noah great? And why God's grace was upon him? Because Noah had made up his mind he was going to do what God said. Regardless. And that pleased God. Well, when we think about Abraham, he pleased God. The Genesis 22 account of him offering his son is one of the outstanding examples of pleasing God. Remember that Abraham and Sarah had waited so long to have this son? God had promised Abraham that he would be a great nation. He doesn't have any kids. Finally, he gets a son. His old age. Then God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, I don't know what all he might have thought, what all he might have said, but I'll tell you one thing that I do wonder is what in the world or how in the world Abraham explained that to Sarah. But you don't find one word whatsoever about her throwing a fit or Abraham throwing a fit. But what you do find is Abraham gets up early the next morning, packs up, and he heads toward the place where God wants him to sacrifice his son. He does everything exactly what God told him to do. And he's got the knife ready. And God stops him. And thus the statement, Now I know you fear God. I've often wondered, if I was Abraham, would I have made that trip? Now the book of Hebrews gives us a little bit of insight. Abraham had already done some thinking. 
He was thinking that God would raise him from the dead. Now we have our own thoughts about how we think God's going to work things out. But rarely does it ever work out like we think it's going to work out because God has His own plan. We sing that song in His time. We pray to God. (coughs) Nothing wrong with us expressing what we want. But like our Lord, we make sure that we believe in our hearts and we say to God, your will be done. Because that's what we want. We want to do whatever pleases God. That's our life. That's who we are. So at some point or another, it kicks in for each of us about fearing God. What does fear mean? I've heard, I've heard different explanations of fear. Uh, people say, well, you're not supposed to be afraid of God. And, and that's true. You remember the one talent guy? What did he do with his talent? He buried it, right? When he was called to account, you remember what he said? I was afraid. So I went and hid my talent. Here's your talent back. You remember that the Lord was extremely, extremely disappointed with that servant. But what does fear mean? Well, fear is this idea of respect, honor, and yes, it does mean fearful of. It even means afraid. There are two basic words that are used for respect, for honor, for fearing God throughout the Bible. And both of those terms have all to do with our appreciation to God. I preach a whole lesson just on that that concept of fearing God. Let me steal an illustration. Do y'all do any hunting here? Don't do hunting? Deer hunting? Anything? Rabbits? Birds? Anything? Well, just think about for a moment. You're going to go deer hunting. You set you up a, uh, a place that's elevated. Maybe up in a tree somewhere where you've got a good sight of surrounding area. And you're sitting there bright, early, real early, one morning. Got a little nip in the air. You're sitting there, a little bit cold. You're looking. And you look down the field there. And you see coming towards you a bear. Now you're thinking, there's no bear around here. And you get to looking closer and closer and closer. And that bear has got eyes on you. That bear sees you in that tree. And you see that bear coming towards you. And you get to noticing that is a big bear. Now, maybe you don't know everything there is to know about bears. But you look at that bear and he's not black. He's brown. And he's big. He is huge. He is as big as a Volkswagen Beetle. That is a huge bear. And you're thinking, there's no grizzly bears around here. I'm, I must be seeing things. And it's a bear. And it gets close enough that there is no doubt it is a bear. 
What are you feeling right now? Fear. Why are you feeling fear? Because you know about bears. And what do you know about a bear? They're big, they're strong, they got big teeth, they got big claws. And what else do you know? They're fast. So you're thinking, do I have time to get down out of this tree and run? Then you're thinking, I'll just shoot him. Then you're thinking, this gun will not kill a bear. I'll just make him mad. Then you're thinking, I've got a knife, big knife. I'll just jump down and go out there and cut his ears off. Then you're thinking, that's stupid. He'll eat me. You're going through all the mental gymnastics of what you do, when you do it. Then you're thinking, that bear can climb this tree. And you can see he's already licking his lips. You are in a pickle. Did you know that all of that verbiage of what you're thinking about that bear is fear. It's respect. It's appreciation. You're giving that bear honor because of who he is and who you are. And you ain't got a chance against him by yourself. That is per exactly what the biblical word means. So why don't you want to please God? You do want to please God. Why? Because you fear Him. David pleased God. Now to me, this example may be one of those oxymorons. It's kind of... It confuses you. Because if I was to ask you, name me the most outstanding characteristic in all of your studies of David, what would you say? Well, there might be a number of things that you'd say. Some say, well, when he's a little little boy, you know, he killed the bear and the lion. Now, David didn't have any problem killing the bear, right? Maybe you're thinking, I can beat David, I can kill the bear. Uh, maybe you're thinking about David and Goliath. That, that'd be a pretty good thing to think about David. But I must be honest with you. First thing I think about is sin with Bathsheba. Do you recall all of the problems as a result of that in David's life? And yet, the Bible says he was wholly devoted to the Lord. Does that confuse you? David served the Lord with all of his heart. Acts 13.22, even quoted back in 1 Samuel 13, is that David was a man after God's own heart. I think when you put all that together, I think something that's very important is that David did sin with Bathsheba. And as someone rightly said, that in that whole little scenario, David basically broke almost every one of the Ten Commandments. And yet God says this about him. Can I say this? God doesn't want any of us to sin. But we will sin. 
He wants us to mature so that we will not sin. But we will sin. It's how we handle our mistakes and how we rebound to try to do better that God appreciates. Now by that, I do not mean to say or indicate that God doesn't care about when you sin as a Christian. Well, He does. It is significant. We talked about that the whole first period. But you know what made David special? It's when the man of God came and he spoke to David and told him the story. And after the story, David reacted self-righteously, condemning the rich man that stole that poor man's land. man of God said, you are the man. David didn't make excuses. He quickly and humbly admitted he had sinned. This tells me something very important, brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been a member of the church. I don't care what you do, how many Bible classes you teach, how many sermons you preach, etc., etc., etc. Those are all great and wonderful things, and you should try your best to do as many and all those things as you can. But you will make mistakes, and you will sin. And if you've got the right kind of heart, you'll make it right, and you'll do what's right. That's what pleases God. So many people that sin against God, they're done. They make some great mistakes in their life and their life as a Christian is over. That's not pleasing God. Paul pleased God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, some of the most beautiful of Scripture, Paul said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Do you know about Paul? Do you know what he did when his name was Saul? Yeah, you remember that. You know that story. But yet here is a man that is confident that he's going to go to heaven. Here is the thing that you and I need to understand is that Paul was a great example of God's saving grace. Whatever Paul had been, he had persecuted Christ. He had persecuted His, his uh, disciples. But yet, He made a choice to obey God. Do you have a past? Do you have a present that is not pleasing to God? 
What can you do about that? Sometimes it's amazing to me how many people will come to worship services time and time and time again. And they sit in the building and they're grieving. They're ashamed. They feel the guilt of sin. And they still have enough courage just to come to the service. But you never take that important step that you need to take. And that is to do what God pleases, what pleases God. What does God want you to do? Example, Judas Iscariot. Do you think Jesus wanted Judas to go out and hang himself? What if Judas Iscariot had said, when he took the money back, what if he had said, okay, i got to fix this. I need to go to Jesus and I need to tell him I betrayed him for money. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Would Jesus have forgiven him? There is no doubt he would have forgiven him. Why didn't he do that? Because he was stubborn. I don't know all the answers, but I know this. Our God is a forgiving God. And you've got to get past your pride, your stubbornness, and your rebelliousness. And like David, you're going to have to say, I have sinned. And God will forgive you. That pleases God. He wants to forgive you. Paul's an example of that. You know, you really can please the Lord. You really can. You can. In Colossians 1 and verse 10, a similar kind of passage, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You can do that. God has never asked anybody at any time to do something you can't do. That's a fact. You can please Him in all respects. Oh, there's just so much to do. My wife and I were studying with uh, a Pizza Hut manager one time. We ate Pizza Hut so often there. We got friends with the manager and studied the Bible with her. We sat down with her and we said, now, this is the Old Testament and this is the New Testament. She went, she said, I thought I was going to have to memorize that whole book. No, I said, we live live under this one. We live under this one. And that that helped her. She said, well, I don't have to learn as much. We studied with her and we talked with her and we tried to help her and we tried to encourage her. And man, did she have a past. Man, did she have baggage. Man, did she have to make some major changes in her life. You know what she did? She chose to obey Christ. It's shocking sometimes that somebody that has done what they've done And God will forgive them. 
I think we've forgotten how forgiving God is. And we're, 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 we're reluctant to talk to the drug addict. We're reluctant to talk to somebody that we know is just living so ungodly. They need the gospel. But I'll tell you something else. There are people that come to church every service that need God too. Because I know, you know, that we will sit in this building and yet we are not pleasing the Lord. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can please the Lord. We can bear fruit in every good work. We can increase our knowledge of God. We can do this. The question is, do you want to do this? Do you want to please the Lord? I hope and pray that you will please the Lord today by obeying the gospel if you're not a Christian. What did Jesus say? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can do that. But my guess is there's, there's clothes here. Uh, there's probably watery, water in the baptistry. If there's not, they can turn the hose on and it'll get full of water. TJ here can put on his duck waiters. He can get in there with you and he can baptize you into Jesus Christ today. Every sin be washed away. Now the question is, do you want to please God? You can do that. What about as a Christian? Just remaining faithful. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. Are you going to fall? Yes. You can get back up again. And you can be forgiven. We'll not do that today. Let's together we stand and sing.